Welcome to the Cascade Church Portland podcast. We're a church that works to be both safe to be and safe to grow through our commitment to intentionality, diversity, curiosity, prayer, and advocacy. Enjoy! Uh, A special person here to preach. I had the opportunity just in this last year uh, to meet Michelle Lang. Um, and I came to, she was at Warner. I came and did a, a thing there. It was a beautiful chapel and the way it's set up. I was like, you have to come here to Cascade. Still one of my favorite messages we've had at Cascade, govern yourselves accordingly. It was really good. You can look it up on the podcast and go listen to it. So I'm excited. Would you welcome Michelle Lang? Thank you. Can I use that? Can I use that? Good morning. Cascade, it is a blessing to be back here with you all, and I really mean that. I don't say that if I don't mean it. I just ask God to work on my heart when I'm in places that I don't particularly care to be. But that is not true. This morning, I am thankful to be with you all today. Let me look around because I know so many faces here. Oh, my gosh. There's so many faces here that I know and that I love. I, I, I was trying to think of if I wanted to do this or not, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to out a couple people real quick, uh, Pastor Kurt, because I want you to know that they're here. This guy, right? I want you to know. I want you guys to know Chris right here. Stand up, Chris. I want you guys to know Chris. <laughs> and the reason I want you to know Chris, where's Nathan? The reason I want you guys to know Chris is because Chris is a fantastic singer, and I mean, I mean like Steve Perry like vocal type stuff. I know he walks around all chill and everything. But give him a microphone. He's got a good growl, a good gospel growl in there, too. So I just want you to know he's here. You already probably know that about Hannah and other folks. So I just want, I was like, I'm going to tell this church that Chris is here um, in that way. Um, Anna is an incredible vocalist and singer, too. But I just want you guys to discover Chris real soon. Um, Hey, I see, I'm just, I feel weird because I do know so many of you here now over the last year, and I just enjoy, I'm, I'm thankful to be, to be back. I was told, um, I know I'm not starting off very spiritually, and it's all right, we'll get there. Um, I was told by your pastor that if I did not talk about this, that I would not be invited back. So, last time I was here, I was single and all of that, and I'm still single, but just for a few more months. Because um, in the last few months, I, I got engaged to this beautiful human being here. He did. <laughs> That's him. That's him doing the thing that I never thought really would matter in my life. But clearly the sign, the, the expression on my face and the expression on the little boy's face <laughs> would indicate otherwise. Uh, August 24th, uh, we, we became officially engaged um, in front of, I don't know, about 400 people in the lobby of Ben and Royal Hall in, in Seattle. And so we are getting married. Um, and it feels weird. I got, this, okay, let me just say this really quick. I'm a Pentecostal preacher, so this is not my time. This is your fault. So none of this is, is against my preaching time, okay? I haven't started yet. <laughs> All right? And I was forced to share this. But, uh, but now that we're here... So we are getting married. Can you go to the next one? We are getting married February 22nd. And I'm not saying this just because. It really is an open invitation. Hey, Karen. It really is an open invitation. You are invited. It is in Seattle. So if you want to make a weekend of it, 
please do. We booked our reception hall just yesterday, um, and it's a, it's a swing dance ballroom type thing. And um, our wedding is, uh, uh, the theme is a fine African affair. And so, um, so, you know, don your best African clothes. I'm sure all of you have some. <laughs> <laughs> and if not, if not, now's the time, now's a good time to start looking, okay? If nothing else, grab a kente cloth or just be colorful. Um, and come, I would love for you all to come make it a weekend, February 22nd. Um, you can RSVP on that site. And I'm not just saying that to be polite. Um, I would really love to, we would really love to share um, this time and this day with, with people um, who love and support and know how to celebrate. Amen? Amen. Um, all right, this is weird. This is so weird. It's really a weird space that I'm in right now because I've been single so long. I've been single my whole life, and I celebrated a, a significant birthday recently, like 25. And, um, <laughs> and so I'm getting used to what it means to be part of a partnership. And so even just standing in front of, in front of you all and sharing, um, sharing this, this, uh, this person and this new season in my life is, is still a little weird, but... I'm thankful for Jay, and he is uh, my happy place and my favorite time of the day, and so I thank God. All right, enough of that. Okay. Uh, let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this time, this space that you've called us to. Um, just be with us, and uh, just be with us, and let us let us hear from your Spirit by your Spirit, um, and let us let us grow even um, in a way that that brings you glory, but in a way that is liberating for us um, and so that our lives would be made better um, for ourselves, but also for your kingdom. Uh, we bless you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So listen, I, I hit Kirk up the other day and I was like, I want to <laughs> come talk about racism. And, um, and, and, and I changed my mind uh, on that because I want to actually... If, if and when we do have that conversation, I actually want us to take some more time to walk through that and to, to, to process that. Not just about racism, but racism in the church is actually what I initially hit him up about. But, but in the last um, 24 hours, that changed. And, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll share with you a little bit about, about why that changed. But instead of something as lighthearted as racism, um, I thought I'd come and talk about something as equally lighthearted as pain. Amen? Um, uh, and I know that doesn't sound uplifting yet, and, but I hope that God will walk us through this message today in such a way that we find liberty and we find some healing today. Amen? Amen. A few, um, a few years ago, uh, a few years ago, I had uh, some of the worst back pain that I had ever ever experienced in life. I don't, even, I don't know how it happened. I don't know what was going on in my life. To this day, I still don't know from whence it came, but it was just this, this back pain in the middle of my back where like, you just feel like your muscle, like something or someone is just grabbing onto your muscles and holding them. And like, when you're not expecting it, they just sort of grab it a little tighter and you just sort of have these moments where you're like, ah! Right? And I was in this, in this place where I had this incredibly terrible back pain, and, um, um, and it birthed some, some thoughts and some awakenings in me. Weirdly, about three weeks ago, I woke up, and I had 
this crazy, what we would normally call a crick in my neck, right? Something simple, right? Usually lasts about a day. Um, but here I am three weeks later, and I'm still walking around with this crick in my neck. or with, I'm, I'm not going to call it a crick in my neck anymore because that sounds so sweet and cute and, and temporary. But here I am three weeks ago, a couple doctor visits later, and I have this pain um, in my neck primarily, but that has been like going up and down my, my, my spine and my back as well. And, and uh, just the other day, I went to the doctor. It had gotten so bad. I went to the doctor, and the, uh, the doctor prescribed uh, me some muscle relaxers, right? That makes sense. Like, the doctor was like, let's, let's rule out all the bad stuff. Let's rule out all the stuff that could be terrible, right, Karen? Let's, you know, they asked me some of those really scary questions like, how's your brain? And I was like, I don't know. It's in there. Uh, but after they got through all the scary, you know, questions, they're like, it sounds like it's just really a bad spasm, like you're just really having a bad spasm. So we're going to give you some, uh, some pain relievers, some muscle relaxers, and, and, and that, should be, that should do it. And I thought about taking one of those muscle relaxers before coming to preach to you today. Uh, don't show that yet. Before coming to, preach you, coming to preach to you today, but I took one last night while Jay and I were at dinner, and, and I felt my filters start to go down, so I felt like I shouldn't come before, I felt like I shouldn't come preach to you all uh, filterless today. Um, and Jay offered to proofread my notes, but he didn't. So if I just start to ramble, um, you can blame him. Um, so anyway, back to, back, to, back to three years ago. So I'm dealing with pain now, but back to a few years ago, I was, I was dealing with this pain. And at one point, the pain was so bad that I was scrummaging through, like, my medicine cabinets at the house to just find something uh, to help me deal with it, right? I found, um, I found, you know, your standard bottle of NyQuil. Um, I found uh, some malaria pills that I hadn't finished from when I went to Kenya, and I thought, that's probably not the right, um, <laughs> it's probably not the right way to go, right? And then I found a half-used uh, half bottle of Vicodin, right? And I don't really remember why I had this Vicodin, but it did have my name on it, so I'm pretty sure it was mine. And, uh, and I was like, oh, okay, I remember Vicodin is probably good for, for pain. Some of you know. Some of you have had a Vicodin experience. Amen. And, uh, and I was like, oh, okay, I think this is still pretty good. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to take a couple of these. And I was like, wait, 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 let's, let, let's not be stupid. And so I'm like, let's make sure we know what Vicodin does, right? Let's make sure we, we remember what Vicodin does. So I go and I look at the bottle. It says take two. And I was like, I'm really at a take four kind of level, but let me look and see, uh, see what this does before I do that. So I went to one of those WebMD sites, right? We've seen those. I don't know. You can tell me, Karen, if those are good or not. I don't know. I, we, you know, if it's on the internet, we just take it as true. But I went to the WebMD site and it gave a description of uh, Vicodin's purpose. And it had a whole lot of words, too, way too many words for my level of pain. It's like, I don't have time to read all these words. Just tell me. All I really wanted to see was, if you take this much, it will kill you. That's all I was really <laughs> looking for. I was like, I know the bottle says take two, but how many can you take before death is, you know, imminent? Because that's the amount. <laughs> I want the amount right before that. <laughs> right? And so I'm, I'm, I'm skimming through these words that I'm sure are really important, and I get down 
to the end of the description on this WebMD, and I saw this phrase that gave me great pause, like a spiritual even pause. And I started to just read it over and over and over and over again. It said this at the very bottom. You can put it up now. At the very bottom of this description, it said this. It said, painkillers do not address the cause of pain. They affect how your brain processes the pain. It is recommended that you consult a physician for actual treatment. I looked at that, and I couldn't take my eyes off of it. It said again, painkillers. Do not address the cause of pain. Please note, painkillers do not address the cause of pain. They affect how your brain processes the pain. It is recommended that you consult a physician for what? Actual treatment. I read it over and over and over. The Bible says first the natural, then the spiritual. And so I was having this moment where the natural was speaking to my spirit. It says painkillers do not address the cause of pain. They affect how your brain processes the pain. It is recommended that you consult a physician for actual treatment. Now push, push, push pause on that for just a second. I want to take a quick and simple detour. I think I might have shared this before, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a singer, I'm an artist, I'm a songwriter, and I've been a, a gospel artist for a long time, and I've, I've fronted a gospel band um, in Seattle that will be performing at our wedding if you come. Um, and as a Christian artist, as a, as a singer, songwriter, and Nathan, you might attest to this, I've, I've always had a problem with songs that sort of said things like, Jesus will take away the pain. Or Jesus will work it out. Don't worry about whatever it is. Whatever it is, it's nothing. Jesus will take away the pain. Don't worry about it. I understand that songs and all art forms really are superlative and, and hyperbole and that they don't have a whole lot of time to unpack large truths. You know, they kind of reduce it down into these superlative and hyperbole kind of, kind of expressions. I understand that that's what art does. But one of the things I learned as I was younger, I learned in retrospect, was that when I was younger, much of my theology about Jesus, and much of the way I thought about Jesus was based on songs that I have heard or sung. Not a very mature way to, you know, frame a theology, but I did. And so as I was growing and maturing in Christ, I started to get bothered by songs that said things like, Jesus will work it out, Jesus will fix it, Jesus will take the pain away. I started to get bothered by that because I would see people sing those songs myself included, I would see people sing those songs with their whole heart and their whole mind and their whole soul. And yet, they would still be dealing and wrestling and be in pain. Mental, emotional, physical, all kinds. Just They would still be in pain. Pain from what had been done to them, pain from what they had maybe done to themselves, pain of confusion, pain of regret, pain of disappointment. And you have to understand, I'm an African-American woman. I think the memo's out. And so I was raised in African-American church traditions, right? And the African-American church, no matter how it changes and morphs and all that way, is rooted in the institution of American slavery. So if we don't know anything, we know pain. 
Amen? So we understand what it's about to sing about pain and why we have to sing about pain and why we have to sing about a God and a Savior who will fix pain. We understand that. And we don't understand it exclusively. I'm just telling you that I was very aware and mindful of why pain and Jesus' capacity to fix it was really important. So I understood it, but I was becoming frustrated because I would sing songs and I would see people sing songs and preach sermons, etc., etc., about pain. And then minutes, hours, days later, people would still be in pain. And I started to get just frustrated about that. I know I said pause, now let's, let's unpause and go back to the Vicodin. When I read the note on the Vicodin description, it made so much spiritual sense to me. Again, the Bible says first the natural, then the spiritual. It made sense, but I wanted to understand it even more. So I had a conversation with, with a nurse that was on campus at Warner Pacific, Nurse Donna at the time, and she explained it to me like this. I think I have this on, on the screen. She explained it like this. She said, pain is an indicator that something is wrong, that something is broken, that something is injured, that something is not working right. What you have is dysfunctioning because it is either injured or it is broken. She said this, and this got me. She said, once the pain has identified that something is wrong, the pain is pointless because it has done its job in notifying you that there's a problem. Take that in for a second. It says, once the pain has identified to you that something is wrong, the pain is pointless because it has done its job in identifying to you that something is wrong. She said, the pain is not the problem, church. The pain is not the problem. The problem is the problem. But because the pain stands out front, because the pain is so loud, many times it's louder than the actual problem, because the pain is so prevalent, what we do is we address the pain. Amen? We grab the Vicodin, we grab the drugs, we grab the sex, we grab the angry attitude, we grab the pettiness, we grab the isolation, the power, the popularity, the irreverence. We grab something that helps us deal with the pain, even though the pain is not the problem. Once the pain has identified that something is wrong, the pain is actually pointless. But it's so loud, it's so, pre it's so pre prevalent that it's what we focus on, it's what we're drawn to. Last night, Jay and I were out uh, out to dinner, we went to Claim Jumpers, like one of the healthiest places in the world to, um, to eat. We, <laughs> we went out to eat, and, um, and as we were sitting there, just, just he and I, just two people sitting there, this woman comes in, and, and she has the, the, wait, the wait staff start to create this space for a party of 35. We're on a nice, quiet, you know, date. Uh, with each other and calories, and then the, here comes this person was like, yeah, we got a party of 35, and it was an African-American woman, right? And I was getting ready to say to Jay, if there's a party of 35 African-American people coming in to claim jumpers, the likelihood that I don't know somebody is very low, right? And sure enough, 
<laughs> sure enough, in they come, one by one, two by two. All of a sudden, there's a bunch of people there, and I look up, and one of my kids, who's now a grown man, walks in, and there's like this hug fest, and they've all seen Jay on my social media, so now he's got to stand up and do the whole thing, right? And so in comes Jeremy, who is now, uh, I don't know, Jeremy's probably 35, and he's Dr. Jeremy Doss now. And I tell him about my neck pain and my, my spasms, and I ask him, though, I didn't share this part with you, they gave me these muscle relaxers, and I, I said to Jeremy, I said, the muscle relaxers are not working, they're not working. I said, I take Advil and I feel kind of okay. I said, but the muscle relaxers that the doctor prescribed to me are not working. I said, why isn't it working? I'm, I feel like I'm taking a, a higher dosage of whatever. Why isn't it working? I said, they put me to sleep, but then when I wake up, catch this. I said, they put me to sleep, but when I wake up, the pain is worse. He said, basically, those pills, Michelle, they turn off your receptors so that your brain doesn't register the pain. But the pain and the problem are still there. Your brain's just not, your receptors are just not registering them. That's all it's doing. He said, essentially, the doctor gives you those pills to give your body time to find its healing. It's not healing you. It's just trying to give your body time to find its healing, right? In life, we can do the same thing. We do whatever we can to address the pain, to numb it, to quiet it, to silent it, to soften it. But none of that is actually dealing with the cause of our pain. Until we actually deal with the cause and the source, the contributors, of our pain, the actual problem, the pain is just going to dominate our focus. I'm not saying that the pain is not real. I'm just saying the pain is just not the actual problem. Amen, church? I want to say this, some, this thing that, that may rub some folks the wrong way, but before I do that, let me just say, one of the reasons why I would get frustrated again, with Jesus will take away the pain song lyrics was because something suddenly made a whole lot of sense to me. And it's, and it's making more and more sense to me every single day. And, and what I'm about to say may not, may not rub some folks the right way, but, but hear me out on this. One of the reasons why those ideas that are espoused would start to bother me or frustrate me was because I started to learn something. And I'm still learning this, and it is this, that the Bible, neither the Bible or Christianity or I even think Jesus himself actually takes away our pain or our heartache or our grief. I know that's what we are told. I know that's, I know that's what the songs say. I know that's what the quick verses say. I know that's what we're supposed to believe, that Jesus will work it out and he'll take away the pain. I know. I've come to this belief now, this, this understanding, this mature understanding that the Bible and Christianity, I don't think any religion, truth be told, or Jesus himself takes away the pain. I think what they do is they change how we address the pain. They change how we address the pain, how we process the pain. 
And they give us tools and perspective and realignment so that we can actually do what? Address the problem that's causing the pain. I know that doesn't work good on a commercial. I get it. It doesn't work good on a commercial. TBN is probably never going to play that, which is okay. But it's, become, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an understanding that makes sense to me that the Bible, Christianity, Jesus doesn't take away the pain. They address, and they, they, they address how we process the pain and give us tools and perspective and realignment to actually deal with the real problem. So the ability of whatever or whoever, and I know we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, so I get that we're not talking about people, but sometimes it does feel like a whoever. So whatever or whoever is hurting you can become disarmed and cease to bring you harm, to bring us harm. Give me just a, a, little, a little bit more time. I want to unpack a text. I know somebody here is like, she hasn't even opened the Bible yet. I get it. I know. We're going to do it now. Before I read this text, though, I want to just sort of do a little disclaimer. I realize that many of us are raised and led to read the scripture where, you know, Jesus is he's like this soft-spoken, kind-hearted, compassionate guy, you know, who sits on rocks and has children talk to him all day, and the little bunny rabbits gather at his feet. I understand that that is the Jesus most of the time, you know, most of us think about when we, when we say, just take it to the Lord. I understand that. Is this not good? Are you not enjoying this? <laughs> but I want to talk about a Jesus that I think is a little, um, is a little bit more forward and assertive than that. Amen. Uh, Paulie from the Rocky movie series is one of my favorite movie characters. And sometimes Jesus sounds like Paulie to me, right? Where Paulie's like, do you want to win or not? You know? And I feel like sometimes Jesus has to go a little Paulie. And I think there are places in Scripture where Jesus is not sitting on the rock with the bunny rabbit on his feet. I think there are some times where Jesus is like sitting on the side of the ring or standing on the side of the ring. He's like, get in there. Come on. Get her done. That's how I feel like he talks sometimes. <laughs> But the little side of Compton on the side, you know. And so I feel like in this passage that we're going to read, that's how Jesus comes across to me. It's one, of, it's one of my favorite passages for different reasons. Let's go to it. It's in John, John chapter 5, the healing at the pool. John chapter 5, starting in, I think, verse 1, it says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Five is the number of grace. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 35 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up. 
pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was for Jesus has slipped away into the crowd that was there. We're talking about pain. We're talking about pain and living with it. So here it is. Jesus is on his way. Jesus and his boys, right? Jesus and the fellas are on their way to a feast in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's the big city, the big party, the, big, the place where everything is happening, the place where opportunity is, the place where things show up, the place where it's all at, right? They're on their way to Jerusalem, the big city, but he stops in this area, Bethesda, and he sees this invalid man, this invalid, invalid man. I want to take note of something. The scripture is really clear here to name other types of sickness that are, in, that, are, that, are, that are a present with the people who are here. It identifies the other types of sickness, but it just identifies this man as an invalid. As an invalid. He's not blind. He's not lame. He's not paralyzed. He can hear. He can speak. It appears he can reason. He has rationale. But the scripture identifies him as invalid. As an invalid. As a person with no value. How is a person who can walk and think and feel and speak? And reason, how is a person with all of that considered invalid of no value? And I submit to us that maybe what's actually wrong with this man is, is there's some pain or there's some pain even in his thinking. Something has caused him to think that he belongs here in this lowered, debilitated state of existence how he's conditioned himself, or maybe how he's been conditioned even to think, has allowed him to see himself and to allow him to be in this, in this position. Some people might call it low self-esteem, inferiority complex, or woe is me. I don't know. But as far as we can tell, nothing or very little is physically, medically wrong with him. And yet, he is sitting at this pool with all these other identified sick people for 38 years. For 38 years, the scripture, the way the scripture is written here, it begs questions for me. Like, how did this man get here? Did somebody take him here and leave him here? Did he get there himself? Is he lost? Again, but there doesn't seem to be a reason. Whatever the reason is that he got there, there doesn't seem to be a reason that he can't leave. And it begs the question for me, how do people, how do we, how do we get to places in our lives that are not beneficial for our lives, but we can't or we refuse to leave? How do we get in these spaces that don't benefit us, 
that we can't leave. Jesus learns the man's story. We're not sure if he learns it from the people or if he takes the time to learn it from the man. But the scripture says that Jesus learns his story. Jesus pauses. And at this critical moment, a potentially pivotal moment, much like many of the moments that we have, Jesus asked the man one question. You heard the question. He says to the man, do you want to what? Get well. Do you want to get well? To me, again, in a voice not so, not so much like the Jesus with the rabbit by his feet, to me, in a voice that's a little strong, it's almost like Jesus is saying, do you like it here, man? Do you like it here just outside the city, just outside of opportunity, just outside of whatever's happening, just outside of anything? Do you like it here? Do you like it here? Or do you want to get well? I want to zoom in on a small word. And somebody might say it's just semantics. And you might be right, but it's semantics that have changed my life, that have brought deliverance and freedom to my life. In this passage, the question that Jesus asks is, do you want to get well? Get. He doesn't say do you want to be well? He doesn't say, do you want to be well? Because if he said, do you want to be well, then that means that Jesus could kind of do one of those hocus pocus foo-foo things and everybody would just be fine. But he doesn't ask the man, do you want to be well? Do you want me just to make you well? He doesn't say that. He says, do you want to get well? The word get means there's something that has to be done that you have to do. The word get means there might be some sweat equity. There might be some that you got to put in the game. You got to put in here. Do you want to get well? Of course I can make you be well. Of course I can do that. I'm Jesus. I've been doing that for a minute. It's what I do. I make things be. I could do that. But in this moment, Jesus looks at this man who's been stricken and called invalid, he looks at this person and he has one question. And his question is, do you want to get well? If it requires, ah, if it requires some effort, if it requires some process, if it requires dealing with some pain or dealing with the pain in order to get to the problem, if it requires some sacrifice, some compromise, some adjustment, I'm asking you a question, man. Do you want to get well? This is Jesus, full measures of truth and grace. And he uses the same word. He says to the man, Get up. Get up. Many times what we do, I hope to God this is walking, walking us into our deliverance today. Many times what we do is we don't want, I, let me say this this way. Jesus for a moment identified and spoke to whatever, in a way that only Jesus can do, to whatever was this man's real 
condition. Right? Not the, not, the, uh, not the facade of a condition or not just the pain or not just the symptoms of the pain, but he's not just the, the shadow and the symptoms of a condition, but he spoke to whatever was really going on with this man in a way that, again, only Jesus can. But a lot of times what we do is we focus on our symptoms, we focus on our pain, we focus on the shadows of things because that's what, what has our attention and what gets attention. Amen? But the problem is when all we do is focus on that, we get no progress, we get no healing, we get no deliverance, we get no movement, we get no victory. And I submit to you, the real question for us is, not do we want, do we just want our families and our our lives and our communities and our church and ourselves to just be well, but would we, as Jesus says to this man, would we answer, the, how would we answer the question, do we want to get well from what's causing pain, what's causing suffering, what's causing the things that are so, 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 so binding to us? Do we want to get well? As I, as I shared with you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this process now of planning for a wedding and, 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 and all this stuff that is beautiful and flowery and frou-frou and all that stuff. And, and, and there's parts of it that I don't care about. Um, but I, as I think about it, I think about my mom. And I think about my mom would love this stuff. My mom's no longer here. She was, she was killed in 2008. And there have been times all the way through this, this planning of things that I think about, man, she would love, she would love this. She would love to be doing this. She was a seamstress, so you know weddings were her jam, right? And so she would love this, but she's, she's not here. And it even happened when we went to check out the reception hall just the other day. I was like, man, my mom would love, would love this. And it got me to thinking as it related to, to, to my pain and, and, and to her. I got to thinking about this situation that my mom and I went through. My mom, um, she was a single mother uh, most of her life. And she was an incredible woman. She was a, mil- a, a military officer, a, a officer in the Army. And again, she was a single mom and just a genius, just a just fantastic human being. My mother was also... A drug addict, though. She had serious substance abuse issues. In addition to all her functions, she could function every day. She could get up, go to work every day, and be a genius at everything that she did. But she still had, her, she still had issues. She still had addiction issues that, that came into our home every single day. That, that created pain in our home every single day. After a lot of years of abuse and loss after loss, my, my mom ended up in, uh, in, hosp- in a hospital, in a psychiatric ward, actually. And um, I don't know, I was probably 20, uh, late 20s, late 20s, maybe early, early 30s. Um, she was in the hospital, and I got a call from a doctor one day. It says, your mom's here. She's been here for a while. We've been trying to help her with her issues. We've been trying to help her. Uh, you know, with, with her problems, and they said, you know, can you come in and talk to us? We think it's time now that we need to probably have a face-to-face with you and her. 
Can you come in? Because we, we think we can help. So we need you to come in. So they asked me to come in. I came in. I sat down. One of the first things they said after all of the, you know, the, the, the formalities and stuff, one of the first things they said was, uh, your mom has, has a drug problem. And I, I looked at my mom like, I didn't need a doctor to tell me that. You, <laughs> we, we didn't need a doctor. I didn't need to come down here for that, right? Now, mind you, I had years pent-up hostility and resentment and pain and bitterness, embarrassment, so much. But I'm sitting here because the doctor called. At this point, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer. I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I'm trying to follow the ways of Jesus. The doctor calls me, and he sits me down. He says, well, your mom has a substance abuse problem. And he says, but she's also manic. Uh, she has problems with manic, too, right? She swings. And we don't know if the drug problems caused that or if that caused the drug problems. We're not really sure which came first, but they're both here. So we think we can help her, right? We think we can help her. See, when talking to her a lot, and one of the things that we think that we can put our hand on or our finger on is she's going to need your help. She's going to need you. She's going to need you to call her, take her to the movies, call her and go to dinner, call her and go for a ride, call her and just come and sit at the house. She's going to need you. In order for what we think we're going to do to help her with her pain and with her actual problem, we're going to need you to kind of step in here. Mind you, I've been praying for years, Kurt. God, help my mother. Help my mom, help me and my mom, help us all, help us, help us, help us, help us, help us. And here I am in the doctor's office, and the doctor says, we think we can help her, we think we got it. She's going to need you to step in, be present, be active. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you. That I had all the Jesus thoughts, like you talked about, all the answers, all the, all the ways that you're supposed to represent the Lord in these moments. I wish I could tell you that my thoughts were absolutely, absolutely, whatever. She need, I wish I could, but I didn't. You know what I had? I had years of pain come to the surface. I had years of embarrassment and abandonment and neglect and resentment come to the surface. And I sat there. I remember the room was so white and it was so bland and boring. And I, I even thought my mom hates this room because she likes color. But I was sitting there thinking, all I could hear and all I could feel my pain and I was trying to muster up the courage to say I'm not going to help her do anything that's really what was in my mind not a scripture 
not a kind, nothing. What was really in my mind was how do I muster up the courage? How do I muster up the, the courage, what was, which was going to feel like medicine to me, which was going to feel like Vicodin to me. How do I muster up my will to say, I am not helping her do anything? Do you realize how much pain this has caused me? And I believe to the depths of my being to this day. And the Holy Spirit jumped up right before I could get it out. I feel like I was working it out. And I feel like the Holy Spirit jumped in right before I could get it out. And he said, Michelle, that will not soothe your pain. Not helping her will not soothe your pain. You want to say that. Because you think that that will cure you. You think that that will heal you. You think that that will fix you. He said, that will not cure your pain because it's not actually getting at the problem. You're sitting here with a chance to actually address the problem. And all you want to do is treat the pain. All you want to do is treat the pain. I was at a moment where the question to me was, do I want to get well? Do I want to get well? Because for me, in that moment, getting well meant stepping in to a process. It meant stepping in to some work. It meant taking a break temporarily or forever, of, 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 of med medicating my pain with my anger for the sake of actually getting in here and doing some work. He said, that will not fix your pain. That will not bring you healing. Remember, the point of pain is to tell us that something is wrong. That there is a problem. The pain is not the problem. The pain is pointing us to a problem. Once we acknowledge the pain, we still have to do the work to get well with Jesus. Alongside Jesus, we still have to do the work to get well. On that day, I chose, and I'm not saying it like, like you can put a halo on me. I, I was, not a, was, not a, uh, was not a, what do you call that, the... Um, I was not a premier um, participant in our process, right? So I stumbled along the way. But I did choose that day to start getting healed, to start getting well, and to not just live with pain or the dysfunction, but to actually get healed and to get well, to deal with what was causing me the pain. I know some, I'm going to close because I know you got lunch plans. I know some might say, Michelle, listen, I'm not actually sick. It's just pain. I can live with pain. I'm not actually sick. What, what's going on with me, what, what is hurt, what is broken, what is injured, the pain from that, it's not actually sickness. I can live with pain, emotional, mental, 
physical, maybe even financial. I can live with this pain. I can work through it. I can get up every day and I can work through it. Maybe you can. Maybe you are even right now. But I want to just close with saying from personal experience, I know and I know many of you sitting here know that even pain is debilitating. It's stealing from you. In the last three weeks since I've had this neck situation, this neck pain, I cannot tell you how many days I've had to leave work early because I'm just exhausted from the pain. I'm just tired of having to do work in pain, having to wrestle with my pain while also having to produce. I cannot tell you how exhausted I have been at the end of the days. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in meetings and not really been fully there because I get so distracted by what? My pain. So sure, it's not sickness. Sure, it's, this is not unto death. But it's distracting and it's stealing and it's interrupting my capacity to live life to the fullest. That full life that the Lord says he sent Jesus for, it's interrupting my ability to do that. Even when... Jay and I went to go look at the reception venue the other day. I wanted to be excited, and it was hard to be excited because I couldn't look around the way I wanted to. So even there, it was stealing something from me. Even the man at the well lived with some kind of pain for 38 years. If you want to call that living. Amen. My hope, my prayer, my desire for us today is that we would step into wellness. That we would set aside the pain that's already giving you a cue that something's wrong and say, Lord, help me step into my healing. Help me step into my deliverance. Help me step into my wholeness. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for, for this time, this day, this occasion to which you have called. I hope we find joy and peace in the fact that, that you want us to get well. You want us to be free from things that are debilitating and stealing from our life, stealing from our capacity to live life to its fullest. God, I pray that you would give us the courage, whether we go whether we go calmly and peacefully or whether we come kicking and screaming, I pray that you would give us the courage to get up and to get well and to know that the pain is not the problem. The problem is the problem, but you are the great physician, and it is to you we come today. It is to you that we come for actual treatment. Realign our thinking. Realign our processing. Realign our perspective in such a way that we take courage to deal with, actually, with what actually is harming us, with what actually is bringing us pain, so that we can be better, again, for ourselves, for our church, for our community, for our world, for our families. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you, Michelle. Would you thank Michelle for being here this morning?